Hello, and welcome to the Magic Music Review Podcast. I'm Jim Spangler, your host. Join me each episode as we talk about our love of Disney music. It could be a song, a movie, a short film, a Broadway show, a Disney theme park, or one of the countless other forms Disney music takes. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the journey through the magic of Disney music on the Magic Music Review. And welcome to another episode of the Magic Music Review. This is episode 11. I can't believe it's episode 11 already, but that's awesome. I I wasn't even sure I'd get to episode 2. So I'm pretty happy about that. If you couldn't tell uh, from the music that we played there at the opening, uh, today we're going to talk about the movie Pocahontas. Um, Another underappreciated movie, I think. This has got some beautiful music in it, uh, amazing animation. Um, I think they probably missed the mark on uh, the kind of story that they did and what they were looking for. Uh, But we're going to talk about all that and and, and why they chose those things. So let's get started. So Pocahontas was released in 1995. It was produced by Walt Disney Feature Animation for Walt Disney Pictures, which we all know. It was the 33rd Disney animated feature, and it was directed by Mike Gabriel and Eric Goldberg. It's loosely based, and I do mean loosely, based on a Native American woman with the same name. It portrays a fictionalized account of her meeting Englishman John Smith and the Jamestown settlers' arrival from the Virginia Company. Uh, And when we say loosely, really loosely, uh, that was one of the complaints in a lot of the reviews, that it really was not, you know, about her at all. Not about her real life. Um, Anyway, moving on. The score was written by Alan Menken and words by Stephen Schwartz, and it was their first time collaboration. Um, Of course, Stephen Schwartz, famous for Wicked, uh, but this was before Wicked, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, a little bit later. It went into production at the same time as the 1994 feature The Lion King, and Disney studio Jeffrey Katzenberg decided that the film should be a serious romantic epic, kind of in the same vein as uh, Beauty and the Beast, and it was he was hoping that it would garner another Best Picture nomination for the company and for the animation studios. Obviously, that didn't happen. My personal opinion is that by Katzenberg moving in this direction with this movie, while I understand what they were trying to do, um, I really think that was part of the downfall, right? Because it kind of went in a direction that Disney's not used to going. Not go, They're not used to going to that serious route. And I'm not really certain that I consider Beauty and the Beast a dramatic, romantic movie. Um, yeah, I guess it's dramatic, but not in the way that Pocahontas is. They really went a different direction and wanted to create a serious animated film. They wanted to show people that, you know, this medium could also do serious 
stories and complicated stories. So not sure that it was the greatest decision by Jeffrey Katzenberg, one of his few that I think was bad. Um, the screenwriters were Carl Binder, Susan Grant, and Philip Lezebnik, uh, and they took creative liberties with the story to make it more palatable to audiences, um, like I said. It was released on June 23rd, 1995, to mixed reactions. Uh, the reviewers praised the animation. It is a beautifully animated movie, uh, but criticized its story, as we talked about. Um, and the movie's racial overtones and historical in inaccuracies also garnered uh, mixed condemnation and praise. It ended up earning $346 million at the box office and was actually deemed a disappointment. Uh, it received two Academy Award nominations, one for Best Musical or Comedy Score uh, by Alan Menken, which it won, and Best Original Song, Colors of the Wind, which also won. So there you go. Uh, and since we're talking about the music, let's talk a little bit about the music. Uh, following the death of longtime collaborator Howard Ashman um, in 1991, Alan Menken wrote the remaining songs for Aladdin, with Tim Rice, as I think we all know, at his home in London, at Tim Rice's home in London. Uh, and the New York-based composer found it to be very difficult. Uh, when working on Aladdin uh, commenced, the film's director of development said that Rice was always gallivanting around the world, um, and it was give difficult to get him and Alan together. And so there was Stephen Schwartz, who had written scores that we all know and love and that uh, we're huge fans of. Um, and he lived in the New York area. So Disney immediately contacted Stephen Schwartz, who was who had been working on Working, Rags, and Children of Eden. If you haven't listened to any of those, those are some beautiful scores. I really love those scores. But he had quit theater and was taking psychology courses at New York University. Um, but he was brought on board to compose the lyrics. Now remember, this was before Wicked, which I just find crazy that he had quit musical theater before he got to write Wicked. Uh, this marked the first time that Mencken had collaborated without Ashman for a Disney animated film. Uh, and Mencken actually commented that their work included moments of tension between the two uh, because Schwartz is also capable of writing music and Mencken had experience with lyrics. Uh, so they both wanted to go to the keyboard when it came to writing songs. Uh, but they eventually arrived at a working strategy uh, and I think that the score and the music and songs are beautiful in this movie. I, I really enjoy them. Really well written. Let's talk some about the voice casting. Um, most voice work is done separately. Uh, you're not in the same room um, with your other actors, as you know. Occasionally, they'll put them in the same room, uh, but most of the time, they are not. Uh, and in 1992, they began casting for this movie, and they really wanted to use Native Americans in the voice casting. They hired Judy Kuhn for the singing voice of Pocahontas, um, and Judy Kuhn is a, a Broadway actress with a beautiful voice. Love Judy Kuhn. Uh, and they said uh, that they were looking for a Native American with a speaking voice that would match her singing voice. Uh, and they ended up finding Irene Bedard and cast her as the voice of Pocahontas. Mel Gibson was cast and actually did his own singing, which is actually kind of was unusual for Disney at the time. They usually brought somebody in to do the singing for their for their actors. Um, but he said he wanted to do this movie because he wanted to do something that his kids could see and enjoy, which I appreciate. Uh, they thought about using Richard White, who had played Gaston for Ratcliffe, but then they decided that they didn't want to use him because they were worried that he would sound too much like Gaston. 
So they went with David Ogden Steer uh, for Ratcliffe instead. Uh, he also voiced the character of his manservant, which is hysterical because if you listen to it and you know that they're both David Ogden Steers before you listen, you know, as you're listening, it's obvious that they're both David Ogden Steers. He didn't hide his voice very well uh, in this, but it, so it's very funny. So here's the whole rundown of the cast. Irene Bedard as Pocahontas, as we said, and Judy Kuhn was her singing voice. Mel Gibson as John Smith. David Ogden Steers as Governor Ratcliffe. Uh, he also played Wiggins, Ratcliffe's manservant. John Cassier as Miko. I don't think that I'm saying his last name right. I'm sorry about that, John. Russell Means as Chief Powhatan. And Jim Cummings was the singing voice of Chief Powhatan. Christian Bale as Thomas, a loyal friend to John Smith. Linda Hunt as Grandmother Willow. I love Linda Hunt, and I love her in this movie. I think she does a great job. Danny Mann as Percy. Billy Connolly and Joe Baker as Ben and Lon, two of the settlers. Frank Weller as Flit, um, Pocahontas's hummingbird friend. Uh, Michelle St. John as Nakoma, um, Pocahontas's friend. James Apaumut Fall as Kokoum, and Gordon Tutusis as uh, Kakata, the shaman of the Powhatan. Jim Cummings also was the singing voice of that character. So they decided that they wanted to create a promotional buzz, like was created for The Lion King. So they released a four-minute video of The Colors of the Wind, and I remember when that came out. I'm that old. I remember vividly when that came out, and we thought it was just such a beautiful piece and such so beautifully animated. I still believe that today. Um, they also did an 18-week tour of fashion malls where you could go and meet Disney animators. Um, there was a place to record your own voice for your favorite character. Uh, you could learn to draw one of the characters, um, and it was a big deal. Uh, it was a lot of setup um, and a big. It was a big to do. Also, Burger King had a tie-in with the characters at that time and distributed 55 million toy replicas of the characters. A behind-the-scenes documentary was created called The Making of Pocahontas, A Legend Comes to Life, and they thought that that would also help create buzz. And the film had the largest premiere in history, 100,000 people, 100,000 people in New York Central Park, which also included a lot of dignitaries. It had a limited release on Pocahontas' 400th birthday, and that was on June 16th, 1995, but it went into wide release on June 24th. It earned $29.5 million during its opening weekend and was considered a disappointment. Uh, there was a lot of controversy with that amount of money, though, and it went up and it went down, and uh, it started at $30.5 million and beat Batman Forever that weekend, but then it went down to 28.8 and was behind Batman, um, and then it ended up at 29.5, which put it which put it just ahead of Batman Forever, which had 29.2 million dollars. Uh, and I remember that controversy too. It was very funny. We were all like, "Really, really?" But it obviously was a big deal to them. By January of '96, it had earned 141.5 million dollars in the U.S. and was the fourth highest-grossing film behind Apollo 13, Toy Story, and Batman Forever. It earned an estimated $204.5 million overseas for a total of $346 million worldwide. Um, but it was seen as a commercial box office disappointment compared to The Lion King, 
which is really unfair because at the time, Lion King was the highest grossing animated feature in history. So to consider it a disappointment behind that, it's I just feel that that's not a fair assessment of how well this film did. The reviews were mixed, as we talked about. Most of the negative was the story inaccuracies and the portrayal of American Indians, which we'll talk about later. The music was praised. Everybody loved the music. And the animation was also praised as beautiful, which, which it is. Colors of the Wind, as I said, won Best Original Song. And the score won Best Musical or Comedy Score. Overall, very successful. And I think, looking back, the Disney company would agree that it was successful. And... It may not have made as much money as maybe Toy Story or The Lion King, but it was still um, a very popular movie at the time. Uh, You know, Disney, it was during their golden time, right? It was during their renaissance, man. You know, we had had Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Lion King and, and Aladdin, and then we had Pocahontas. And it was a big turn. It was a big turn because they went from kind of that comedic animated film to a serious subject matter. So much so that before they released the film, when they were viewing it and testing it, they found that people didn't like that it was so serious, and so they added characters into the film, which I find very interesting. Uh, And mainly the, the characters they added were the sidekicks, the animal sidekicks, Miko and Flit and Percy the pug. I love Percy. Um, and Percy and Miko's friendship is so great during uh, during the whole thing. But uh, they felt like they needed that to kind of lighten the mood of the movie because they felt like it was so heavy and so dark. And if you think about it, if you take those characters out, it becomes very heavy, very serious, dramatic movie. Um, and not just not very fun to watch, especially for an animated feature. There's my two cents on that to let you know what, what happened. We're going to take a little break right here, a quick break. Uh, but when we come back... We're going to go over the plot of the movie and talk about the songs, because that's what we're all here for. We're all here to talk about songs. So we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let's start talking about uh, the movie and the music of Pocahontas. So the movie is set in 1607 with the Susan Constant sailing to the New World from London, carrying English settlers from the Virginia Company. And the first song that we have is called The Virginia Company. And it is very much like previous movies uh, that Disney has done. As a matter of fact, I think it's kind of a nod visually even to uh, earlier movies that Disney did. It is a combination of a military number because it's very rhythmically exact, very structured, uh, and very strong in that sense, but also kind of a sea chanty too, because uh, it kind of has that sea feel, that seafaring feel. Um, I think it's a great way to open the picture. Uh, I think it really sets the tone for the time period uh, that this movie takes place, um, and I think it sets the tone for what the English are trying to accomplish. Uh, So uh, the Virginia Company kicks it off. So let's listen to a little bit of Virginia Company.
All right. So on board are Captain John Smith and the Voyager's leader, Governor Ratcliffe, who seek uh, – Governor Ratcliffe is going to seek gold to bring him wealth and status. Um, along the way, the Susan Constant is caught in a uh, North Atlantic storm, and Smith saves a young, inexperienced crewmate named Thomas from drowning. And that's important because uh, I think that connection between him and John Smith shows up later, a str- the struggle that Thomas has uh, in the movie. Very small struggle, but it's still a struggle. As they approach the New World, the settlers, including Smith, talk of adventure, finding gold, fighting, quote, engines, uh, and perhaps settling in a new, in the new land. We then shift to the Powhatan tribe, and uh, we get the song Steady as the Beating Drum, which is great. It has a true Native American feel to it, but it also is very rhythmic, like the beating of drums, um, and gives us a slight connection to that first piece of music, Virginia Company. Uh, and it's the Indians, the Native Americans, uh, gathering together after a war that they've won, a battle that they've won. Uh, and so it's very, like I said, rhythmic, very Native American sounding, with just a hint towards the Virginia Company uh, in tone and quality. So let's listen to a little bit of it. Let's listen to a little of Steady as the Beating Drum. information about uh, that piece, Steady as a Beating Drum, is that at the beginning you hear a chant uh, of Native American language, and when Stephen Schwartz was asked about that, he talks about the fact that he did a lot of research for this movie to get the tone and feel correct. Uh, they went to Jamestown. They went to find out what what was the energy like there and what, what would it be like when this was all happening. Um, And he assures us that those words are actually Native American. Uh, They're from the Algonquian tribe and that he actually found real words. Now, he also states that he doesn't remember what those words mean, but uh, I think we can rest assured that we can trust Stephen Schwartz that he used true Native American language. Back to the story. Pocahontas, the daughter of Chief Powhatan, fears being wed to Kokowum, a brave warrior who she sees as too serious for her own free-spirited personality. And Powhatan gives Pocahontas her mother's necklace as a present. Um, And then we get what we call the I Want Song. And anybody that's listened to this podcast knows that the I Want Song is what 
the main character, it talks about what their desires are, what their wishes are, what they want out of life and out of this moment of time. Um, the interesting thing is it's not a traditional I want song in the sense that, you know, she wants a boyfriend or she wants a million dollars. Um, but what it is is I know that something is coming, that there's a change happening, and I'm excited about the change, and I want to continue to go toward it. Uh, so it's a kind of a different kind of an I want song. It's something akin to Something's Coming from West Side Story where he doesn't really know what's coming, but he knows that something is changing and he's excited to, to see it. So let's listen to a little bit of Just Around the River Bend. I love the way this music flows. I love the way you can feel the rush of the river uh, throughout this whole piece of music. I think it's beautifully done and I think uh, it's a great piece of music. So let's listen to a little bit of Just Around the River Bend. What I love most about rivers is you can't step in the same river twice. The water's always changing, always flowing. But people, I guess, can't live like that. We all must pay a price. To be safe, we lose our chance of ever knowing what's around the river bend, waiting just around the river bend. I look once more just around the river bend, beyond the shore, where the gulls fly free. Don't know what for. What I dream the day might send just around the river bend for me. Those trees are right behind these waterfalls. Can I ignore that sound of distant drumming? For a handsome, sturdy husband who builds handsome, sturdy walls and never dreams that something might be coming. Just around the river bend. Just around the river bend. I look once more. Just around the river bend, beyond the shore. Just around the river bend, just around the river bend. I also love the visualizations that they used uh, in this song with the lyrics and um, the, the way the music flows like a river while she's on the river. I just think it's so, that piece is just so well done. Really like it a lot. So Pocahontas, along with her friends, the raccoon Miko and hummingbird Flit, visit Grandmother Willow, a talking a tree, a spiritual talking tree. She's a willow tree and speaks of dreaming um, and speaks of a dream involving a spinning arrow and her confusion regarding what her path in life should be. Grandmother Willow then alerts Pocahontas to the arriving English. And the way that that happens is with having Pocahontas listen to the wind and then she finds out that there are strange clouds coming. So, uh, with that, we get the song, Listen to Your Heart. It's a very short song, uh, but it's Grandmother Willing, Willow telling Pocahontas to listen to her heart, and that's where we find that she's warned about the English coming. Um, let's listen to a little bit of Listen to Your Heart. I love this piece uh, because I think it's it kind of harkens that nature of Native American spirituality. If you've ever listened to Native American music and listened to the very spiritual pieces of that, uh, it's almost a haunting sound that they 
create, and I think this one does that. So let's listen to a little bit of that. So the English have arrived, and Ratcliffe has Jamestown built in a clearing and immediately has the crewmen dig for gold. And we get the song Mine, Mine, Mine. Uh, and this is interesting because it's kind of Ratcliffe's I Want song. It gives us the idea of what he wants. Uh, but Stephen Schwartz also says that the song was meant to be funny. It was meant to be comedic. Um, and so I think that's very interesting that uh, they thought this was going to be a comedic piece. Um, he does say that he loves the lyrics. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, that he was shocked that it actually got in. Oh, here it is. So he was, you know, being a comedic song, he was pretty surprised that he got uh, the lyric, these lyrics past uh, the Disney hierarchy, um, which was, With all you got in you boys, dig up Virginia boys. I don't know why he thought that would be hard to get past the hierarchy, but I think it's funny. Uh, and he does think that it's a, a comedic song, and it also has a great production value in the movie. I think visually it's really creative. They've really learned to do production numbers at a high quality. Uh, if you look back at Aladdin, look back at The Little Mermaid, look at Beauty and the Beast. I mean, Be Our Guest is an amazing production number. Um, and this, they've really learned visually how to make this work. Uh, and so it makes it a lot of fun. So let's listen to Mine, Mine, Mine. The gold of Cortez, the jewels of Pizarro. We've seen like mere trinkets by this time tomorrow. The gold we find here will dwarf them by far. Oh, with all you got in your boys, dig up Virginia boys. Mine, boys, mine every mountain and tea. Boys, dig till you drop, grab a pig. Boys, quick, boys, shovel in a shovel. Uncover those lovely pebbles that sparkle and shine. It's gold and it's mine, mine, mine.
So Smith departs to explore the wilderness and encounters Pocahontas, and they quickly bond, fascinated by each other's worlds and end up falling in love. Um, and Pocahontas sings Colors of the Wind, and this is the first. This was the first taste that we got of this movie uh, when it came out. Also, interesting enough, it was the first song written for the movie. It's a beautiful piece, has been done many times in many ways. Uh, the Vanessa Williams at the end of the album is actually enjoyable. I actually like it. Uh, it's a just a beautiful piece, lovely imagery throughout the whole piece. The the idea of the images that she's trying to get John Smith to see and realize that maybe uh, they aren't so ignorant after all because he thinks that they're ignorant savages. Um, so it's a beautiful melody, a beautiful feel, uh, very well done. Let's listen to a little bit of Colors of the Wind. You think I'm an ignorant savage And you've been so many places I guess it must be so But still I cannot see If the savage one is me How can there be so much that you don't know? You don't know land you land on the earth is just a dead thing you can claim but I know every rock and tree and creature has a life has a spirit has a name you think the only people who are people are the people who look and think like you but if you walk the footsteps of a stranger You'll learn things you never knew, you never knew. Have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? Or ask the grinning bobcat why he grinned? Can you sing with all the voices of the mountain? Can you paint with all the colors of the wind? Can you paint with all the colors of the wind? I really do love that song. I think it's just beautiful. I, I think it's done so well, and Judy Kuhn does such a great job of um, performing that number. So beautiful. So meanwhile, Miko and Percy uh, meet... Miko meets Percy Ratcliffe's pet pug and becomes the bane of his existence, and this is where the comedic side comes into this movie. Uh, Pocahontas introduces... Smith to Grandmother Willow and avoids two other crewmen, but Pocahontas' best friend, Nakoma, discovers her relationship with Smith and warns Kokowoom. Ratliff also learns of Smith's encounters and angrily warns Smith against sparing any natives he comes across on pain of death. Later, Smith and Pocahontas meet with Grandmother Willow and plan uh, to bring peace between the colonists and the tribe. Smith and Pocahontas share a kiss while Kokowoom and Thomas witness from afar. Enraged, Kokowoom, screaming a battle cry, attacks and attempts to kill Smith. But Thomas intervenes with his musket and kills Kokowoom and destroys Pocahontas' necklace in the process. Smith orders Thomas to leave just before the tribesmen come to capture Smith, while Kokowoom's body is taken away. Enraged at Kokowoom's death, Powhatan declares war on the English, 
and beginning with Smith's execution at sunrise. Thomas reaches Jamestown safely at night and warns the crewmen of Smith's capture. Ratliff then rallies his men uh, to battle using uh, this as an excuse, the capture of Smith as an excuse to annihilate the tribe to find their non-existent gold. Because by this time, we know that they don't have any gold. And then we get the wrong song, Savages. It's a war song, um, a song that show how the use of fear and prejudice uh, is getting the men to do Ratliff's dirty work. It's very racist in tone and shows what blind following will do. It, I guess it's kind of in the same flavor uh, as when the village goes and attacks the beast in Beauty and the Beast, but I, f- I find this song really, really disturbing. It may just be our political times that I find it disturbing. You know, just the imagery that Ratcliffe creates and the way that he enrages his men through ignorance and blind following. Um, so, anyway, let's listen to a little bit of it. What can you expect from filthy little heathens? Their whole disgusting race is like a curse. Their skins are hellish red. They're only good when dead. They're vermin, as I said, and worse. They're savages, savages. Barely even humans. Savages, savages. Drive them from our shore. They're not like you and me, which means they must be evil. We must stop the problems of war. They're savages, savages. Dirty redskin devils. Now we stop the problems of war. That same evening, Powhatan orders his men to prepare for battle, um, and a desperate Pocahontas visits grandma, uh, grandmother Willow, where Miko hands her Smith's compass. Pocahontas then realizes that Smith's compass was the spinning arrow from her real-life encounter, which leads to her destiny. Just then, morning comes, and the Powhatan, uh, and Powhatan and his tribe forcibly bring Smith to a cliff overlooking a clearing for execution. Meanwhile, Ratcliffe leads his armed colonists to the cliff, to fight Powhatan's warriors. Just as, about, uh, just as Powhatan is about to kill Smith, Pocahontas stops him and finally convinces him to end the fighting between the two groups. Um, and everyone accepts graciously and gratefully, except for Ratcliffe, who tries to shoot Powhatan dead in anger, but inadvertently shoots Smith instead when he shields Powhatan. Ratcliffe is then arrested by his crewmen, who turn on him for hurting their comrade. In the end, Smith is forced to return home to receive medical treatment while Ratcliffe is also sent back to England to face punishment for his crimes. Smith's a- Smith asks Pocahontas to come with him, but she chooses to stay with her tribe. Miko and Percy, now friends, give Pocahontas her mother's necklace completely fixed, and Smith leaves without Pocahontas, but, Pocahont- but with Pocahontas' blessing to return in the future. The film ends with Pocahontas standing atop of the cliff, watching the ship carry Smith away. I usually am the first one to say that I don't like the songs uh, at the end of movies. I don't like the credit songs. Usually they have nothing to do with the movie, in my opinion. They were cut usually from the movie and for good reason. Um, But this movie has an amazing end song, Um, If I Never Knew You. Uh, And it actually was supposed to be sung by John Smith to Pocahontas in the movie. Uh, and was cut because it slowed slowed the movie down and they were losing the audience, especially the kids in the audience, which they didn't obviously want to do. But I love this song. I think it's beautiful. I think it really encapsulates John Smith's feelings for Pocahontas. 
uh, and in turn Pocahontas's feelings for John Smith. Um, so I want you to listen to this. Um, I really do like it. I think it's a great tune. So let's listen to a little of If I Never Knew You. If I never
Well, that concludes this episode of the Magic Music Review about Pocahontas. I hope you had a good time. I would love to hear from you. I want this to be a conversation, not just a lecture. Uh, let me know what you liked, what you didn't like, and what you'd like to hear in future podcasts. You can reach me on Facebook at Magic Music Review or on Twitter. I'm at Disney Music Dude. You can also go to my website, magicmusicreview.com, and leave a comment about the episode there. Also, if you could go to iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and give the Magic Music Review podcast a five-star rating and write a quick review, I would really appreciate it. It helps get the word out and helps others find the podcast. So thanks again for listening to this episode of the Magic Music Review, and I'll talk to you soon. We stick together, see it through, cause you got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. Some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am, big and stronger too. Now it's time to say goodbye. To all our company, M-I-C. See you real soon. K-E-Y. Why? Because we like you. M-I-C.